Well, hello there. Welcome to my Two Cents Podcast, uh, NXT Stand and Deliver and WrestleMania Night 1 and Night 2 Review. I am your host, G2, and as the title reads, this is going to be my review of NXT Stand and Deliver and also WrestleMania uh, Night 1 and Night 2 that just happened. And I'm also going to give you a recap of Ring of Honor's uh, Supercard of Honor show that happened uh, Friday night. And I feel that the best way to start it off is with what happened Friday night. The first match, well, not the first match, the first like show to kick off the whole WrestleMania weekend, which was uh, Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor. Um, I'm just going to give you a recap. I wasn't able to see the actual event. I only was able to see highlights of it. So, But I was able to know who won what match here. Um, the first match to start off the show was El Hijo Del Vikingo going against Commander, and El Hijo Del Vikingo would win the match uh, by pinfall, and this was for the AAA Mega Championship, so Vikingo is still the AAA Mega Champion. The second match up was for the Ring of Honor Six-Man Tag Team Championships, the Embassies, Brian Cage, Khan, and Tua Leona, with Prince Nana in their corner going against A.R. Fox, Blake Christian, and Metalik. The Embassy would win to retain their Ring of Honor World Six-Man Tag Team Championships. The next matchup was Athena defending her Ring of Honor Women's Championship against Yuka Sakazaki. Athena would win the match by hitting the O-Face on Sakazaki by pinfall to retain her Ring of Honor Women's Championship. The next match was Samoa Joe going against Mark Briscoe for the Ring of Honor uh, Television Championship. Samoa Joe would defeat Mark Briscoe by submission by locking into Coquina Clutch, and that's what happened. Um, Good sentimental match. I was able to see highlights, as I said before, of each match, and this one was a lot sentimental. Mark Briscoe, he came out with the old Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships because every belt, well, let's scratch that. The only belts that did not get a redesign from this new rebrand of Ring of Honor was the Ring of Honor uh, Television Championship and the Ring of Honor World Six-Man Tag Team Championships. They did not get a rebrand, but every other championship did. The Women's Championship got a rebrand and a redesign. The Tag Team Championship got a redesign. The Pure Championship and also the World Championship. So Mark Briscoe, he came out with the old Ring of Honor Tag Team Championship, the one that him and his brother Jay Briscoe um, held before Jay Briscoe tragically uh, lost his life this year. And this was a real sentimental matchup here. Everybody wanted Mark Briscoe to win, but... It wasn't in the cards for Mark Briscoe, but Samoa Joe did shake Mark Briscoe's hands after their match, and he would leave the ring so Mark could get the standing ovation from the crowd. Because again, everybody wanted to see Mark win. He had his uh, mother, his wife, and his kids out there in the front row, and he gave his mom, his wife, and his children hugs after the match. So that was a real sentimental matchup there. After this, we had Hiroshi Tanahashi going against Daniel Garcia. Hiroshi Tanahashi would defeat Daniel Garcia by pinfall. Then we had the Reach for the Sky ladder match for the vacant ROH uh, World Tag Team Championships. You had the Lucha Brothers, uh, Top Flight, The Kingdom, Ozzy Open, Ele Faction, Igonable. Uh, these were the five teams that competed in this Reach for the Sky ladder match. Uh, Lucha Brothers would win the ladder match. Um, there was one spot in here that went viral on social media, and it was a spot where Penta did a Canadian Destroyer off of a ladder through a table outside of the ring on Dante Martin. And when he did this, you will see Dante Martin immediately clutch his, uh, I believe his left or right foot, one of the ankles. And it looked like the ankle kind of like bent or turned in a different direction than it's supposed to. Um, 
Tony Khan would go to see Top Flight after the event was over to make sure uh, Dante was okay in the hospital. Uh, Dante would tweet that out to uh, appreciate Tony Khan for his support. And as of right now, we have no idea how long Dante Martin is going to be out of action. Tony didn't mention that Dante is going to be out of action. So Darius Martin is going to be on singles competition for right now for the time being. So Top Flight just cannot catch a break. For the longest period of time, it was always Darius Martin, always on the sideline for one injury or another. But now Dante Martin is now injured out. And I just want both of these guys to be okay. Wrestling is a daunting uh, task. It's a daunting sport. It's a real uh, violent style of situation that you put your body through literally week in, week out when you do these type of uh, maneuvers that require safety. And sometimes you're just going to throw caution to the wind. And this one was... Uh, one of these situations where Caution got through to the win and uh, Penta and Dante, they did what they did in the match and something tragic just happened to happen. So again, rest of Dante Martin, Darius Martin, he's going to be competing in singles competition. But after the match, you will see FTR and Mark Briscoe standing on the stage waiting for the Lucha Brothers to get up there. They will hug uh, the Lucha Brothers. And this was just nothing but a uh, sign of solidarity between all tag team greats with Mark Briscoe representing the Briscoe brothers, um, FTR being there, and also the Lucha brothers. And also, forgot to mention this, Mark Briscoe will no longer be doing tag team wrestling. He will only be doing singles competition or multi-man matches, as in like six-man or eight-man style tags. But singles, like one on, like two-on-two two tag matches, that he has made it abundantly clear to Tony Khan. Tony has let that be known that Mark does not want to do that. And I see it as, as that being a way for Mark to pay tribute again to his brother. Cause I don't, I, if I was in Mark's uh, position, I would kind of make the same request to Tony. And I, knowing what Tony knows, and Tony is a, a nerd of wrestling the way that I am, but more of a bigger nerd because he knows a lot about a lot of old, old school timey wrestling. I think that Tony has a big uh, deal of respect for a lot of the, competitors and especially for someone like mark who's willing to do anything um he acquiesced to mark and that's what's happening mark is no longer doing a uh, tag team wrestling only singles and big multi-man uh tag matches now after this we have for the pure championship uh kashiro shibata going against the champion with the yuda shibata would beat yuda by pinfall to now be the new ring of honor pure champion then we would go to the main event, Claudio Castagnoli defending his Ring of Honor championship against Eddie Kingston. Claudio would defeat Eddie Kingston to retain his Ring of Honor Royal Championship. Again, this was another sad moment that people did not like. Eddie Kingston, he is a crowd uh, favorite. He is a true underdog's underdog. He is the brawler that you want to see just win the top crown, and we all thought that he at least was going to win that. Again, the highlights proved it. People were ready for Eddie to win, but nope. So Claudio is still the Ring of Honor uh, champion here. After the match, Yuta would come down to the ring, and it looked like Claudio and Yuta were going to attack Eddie Kingston, but Shibata will come down to the ring to stand beside Eddie Kingston, and you have Shibata and Kingston staring down with Yuta and Claudio Castagnoli, and that's how Ring of Honor, uh, Supercard of Honor, would end. Now, again, I want to preference everything again. I did not get to see the whole full show fully. I got to see highlights from social media and also on YouTube. So from what I saw, it was a real good show. And as the time uh, goes on throughout the year, I'll hopefully be able to give you guys more Ring of Honor coverage because, again, Ring of Honor is a 
brand that I hold special to me. I just haven't been able to keep up to date with it. So hopefully I'm able to do that as well, time permits me to. But with that, that was your Ring of Honor, uh, Supercard of Honor highlights. Now let's open up with NXT Stand and Deliver. On the pre-show Stand and Deliver, we have the eight-person tag match. Chase U with Tyler Bate going against the Schism. Chase U would win the match by pinfall with Andre Chase and Duke Hudson would hit a gory bomb slash flatliner finish on James Drake for the win. There was a moment in this match when the Schism tried to recruit Duke Hudson and it almost worked when they gave him a t-shirt and he put it on as he looked like he was going to turn on Chase U, but he didn't. He would end up uh, ripping the shirt Hulkamania style and then you get a big eight-person brawl in the middle of the ring. Um, This was Ava Reign's uh, debut match for people that don't know or people that are unaware Ava Rain is the daughter of Dwayne the Rock Johnson so this is her debut match and she did what she needed to do you could tell she's a beginner but her having the chance to wrestle in front of a crowd as big as that will only help her advance in her skills in professional wrestling her and Thea probably got what I'll say five minutes of contact in the match in totality so Again, Ava Rain still knew they wanted to give her that uh, chance to actually be in the ring in front of a live crowd instead of the Florida crowd. So I appreciate them for doing that. And again, she's green. She's still new to this. So I'm not going to give her a lot of flack. Hopefully we start seeing her wrestle more on NXT, the programming. But again, solid match to have open up uh, NXT stand and deliver on the pre-show. Now on the official match card, the NXT women's ladder match would be the actual uh, opening matchup. It'll be Roxanne Perez defending her championship against Lyra Valkyria, Zoe Starks, Indy Hartwell, Gigi Dolan, and Tiffany Stratton. Now, Indy Hartwell would win the match when Indy would basically dump Tiffany Stratton off the ladder onto the ladies outside of the ring. Side note here, once Tiffany would fall off the ladder to the ladies outside of the ring here, um, you saw that the ladies didn't catch Tiffany all the way because once Tiffany's Lower back hit the floor. You heard a thud and you heard a holler out of Tiffany. So I hope Tiffany's okay. I hope she put some ice on her back and she's been icing it up because that was not a nice thud. Um, Once Indy did that, Indy would try to climb the ladder, but she couldn't. She was exhausted at this point. You would hear a pop from the crowd and you didn't know what it was until you saw Dexter Loomis pop up from underneath the ring and then slide under Indy. And put her on his shoulder, and he would climb up the ladder, and Indy would unclasp the NXT Women's Championship from the hook. So Indy Harwell is your new NXT Women's Champion. I'm going to say this right now. I don't think nobody thought Indy was going to win this match. I don't think nobody thought that in the world. At one point, Gigi Dolan technically had the match won when Gigi was on the ladder. She would knock off uh, Lyra Valkyria off the ladder, and as she climbed and she grabbed the NXT Women's Championship, you will see a woman climb the ladder, and it ends up being J.C. Jane. Now, I was shocked that J.C. was actually here because she said that she was going to be sidelined with a uh, separated shoulder injury on television, so apparently that was just storyline here. So J.C. would climb the ladder and knock Gigi off the ladder onto another ladder, and then J.C. would just tell Gigi that this is her time now. And I thought for that moment, okay, J.C.'s going to, take the title and just basically run with it, but she didn't. She would climb down the ladder. So that was just really odd to me. I understand you want to screw your opponent or your rival. I would have taken the opportunity to try to take the title and just become the champion and have everybody be confused by it. But 
that's not the direction they wanted to go with this. You wanted to give the championship off to Indy, and that's cool with me too. Now, once Indy is shown up on the ladder holding the championship, we will get a shot of the ladies outside of the ring uh, laid out. You will see Roxanne Perez like holding her head with a smile on her face as she's looking at Indy on the ladder, and I like that because Roxanne and Indy, they do have a friendship. And you could just see that she was happy for her friend to actually become the women's champion here. So Indy winning that ladder match again, it was so unexpected, but it makes a feel good moment because you have Index here, Indy and Dexter uh, on NXT. Hopefully Dexter's back on NXT because again, Indy Hartwell without Dexter, it just didn't feel right. She was kind of uh, floundering in the women's division. She will always try to be the person to stand up for the locker room, but always get knocked down. So hopefully Dexter is back on the NXT roster for a bit with Indy until she gets called up to the main roster. That's what I'm hoping. But it was good to have this moment with Dexter and Indy here, especially with Dexter helping uh, Indy become the NXT Women's Champion. Now, after this, we have the NXT Tag Team Championship matchup in a triple threat with the Creed Brothers going against the family, which is Tony D'Angelo and Stax, going against the champions Gallus, Mark, Coffey, and Wolfgang. Gallus would win the match by pinfall when Tony and Stax would hit a double backdrop on Mark Coffey and Stax would pin Mark. You would get someone pulling Stax out of the ring and he has a hood on and he would take the hood off and it's Joe Coffey, the other member of Gallus. He would hit um, Tony D'Angelo with a rolling clothesline because Tony pushed Stax out of the way so Stax wouldn't hit, eat that clothesline. So Tony would eat it. And you would see Joe Coffey throw Stax into the ring steps and then throw him into the ring. And Gallus would hit Stax with a double team move, an airplane spin, and a jumping knee strike for the win. So Gallus, as a whole stable unit with Mark Coffey, Joe Coffey, and Wolfgang are now back as a collective in NXT. While the Creed brothers, they're probably going to go off to the main roster on Monday night or in the near future in Stax and Tony. They have a match for Pretty Deadly on NXT this upcoming uh, Tuesday. Because after the match, later down the night, you will see Pretty Deadly kind of uh, mock uh, Tony and Stax, and this will make them upset. But that's into the future here. This match, it was solid. It was straight. Um, the Gallus winning, again, it was not something that I picked. I thought the family was going to win this, but... I'm cool with Gallus winning here, especially now since all of Gallus are back. Everybody's together. And uh, again, if the Creeds are going to go off to the main roster, let them do that. They didn't need to win this. I just thought with the way the trajectory of the story was for uh, how Tony and Stax have gotten extremely closer, especially with the way Tony is constantly trying to reassure Stax that, hey, you're part of the family. You didn't mess up. You're with me. I thought that would be a way to heighten uh, the story between Stax and Tony. But, hey, we're probably going to save that championship win down the line. But Gallus winning this matchup here, I didn't have no problem with. Now, for me, this was the match of the night for Stand and Deliver, the fatal five-way match for the North American Championship. Wesley, Dragon Lee, J.D. McDonough, Ilya Dragunov, and Axiom, all five men absolutely killed it in this match here. Wesley would win the match, however, by pinfall, when Ilya would go and hit a torpedo headbutt, and Wesley would hit Ilya with a cardiac kick at the same time. Um, Ilya would hit a torpedo headbutt on Dragon Lee, 
And at the same time, Wes would hit Ilya with a cardiac kick. So Wes would cover Dragon Lee for the win here. And you know what? That surprised me. Because this was Dragon Lee's debut match in NXT. This is his debut match on, like, television-wise. I'm pretty sure he probably had some debut matches, like, with NXT live shows down there in Florida. But on television-wise, to the actual audience and presentation, this is his debut matchup here. And I didn't expect him to lose. And if he was going to lose, I did not expect him to actually get pinned. I didn't think that was going to happen at all. Because you don't usually see that in people's debut matches. They either win or some other type of crowd that get DQ'd or whatever the case may be. But this is a fatal five-way match. All these guys threw caution to the win. They just went completely 100 miles from start to finish of this matchup here. Um, there was a callback between JD McDonough and Ilya Dragunov here from their Halloween Havoc matchup here. And I'm going to explain this. J.D. McDonough will hit Wesley with the devil inside, which is a Saito pull-in Saito suplex. And once the referee was about to hit the three count, Ilya Dragunov will run in and hold the referee's hand and look at J.D. when he does it. This is a callback to when J.D. would uh, do this exact same thing to Ilya at Halloween Havoc when Ilya had Braun Breaker beat for the NXT Championship in their triple threat match. And before the referee hit the three, J.D. would hold referee's hand and JD just had a devilish smile and looking at Ilya when that happened so this is payback for that situation so I like that callback here and then there was another highlight uh match moment for me when uh Wesley was looking to hit the cardiac kick on I don't know who it was in the middle ring I think it was JD or Ilya one of those two and as he's literally flip backflip in midair you will see Axiom nail Wesley with the golden ratio right dead square on the cheek and that brought me back to Adam Cole in his time in NXT whenever he wrestled Ricochet in NXT TakeOver Brooklyn I believe it's two or three or four one or the two you can look it up yourself is during SummerSlam weekend for uh NXT and it was a North American Championship match where uh, Ricochet, he would spring off and do a springboard moonsault, and Adam Cole just nailed Ricochet directly on the jaw with it. Perfect timing. I immediately thought of that exact moment when Axiom hit Wesley with the golden ratio. So that moment was completely sick. All five of these guys put their complete soul into this matchup here, and this match, I'm telling you, it is worth a watch. If you saw it already, it's worth a rewatch. Go and watch this match again. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. I'm glad Wesley won this. Um, Wesley is continuing on being the North American champion, so it's well-deserved. And all five of these guys really put all their uh, heart and soul into that match. So, again, that is a highly recommended match for me from Stand and Deliver. Now, after this, we get the unsanctioned match between Grayson Waller and Johnny Gargano. Johnny would win the match by submission when Johnny would hit Grayson Waller in the back with multiple chair shots. Johnny would put a chair around the neck of Grayson Waller, then hit that chair with another chair. And then Johnny will lock in the Gargano escape, making Grayson Waller tap out. Now, during this match, they use everything. You saw them use trash cans. You saw them use uh, kendo sticks. You saw them use chair shots. Grayson Waller, he was being the most dickish bad guy that you can think of because at times you will see Candice LeRae like around ringside behind the 
barricade holding her and Johnny Gargano's son. And Grayson Waller will be beating up Johnny and bringing him close over to Candace and constantly like talk trash to Candace saying that they need to let their son seeing their father get beat up right here. Um, it got to the point that whenever Johnny is now beating up on Grayson Waller, Candace will hand her child off to a relative, I presume. It obviously has to be a relative because you're not going to hand your baby to somebody else, a stranger. So she would hand her baby off to a relative and she would tell that person to go to the back with the baby. Johnny would help Candace come over to barricade, hand her the Kindle stick, and she would just start whacking the devil out of uh, Grayson Waller in the back with said Kindle stick. So that was a complete family affair of a beatdown that Grayson Waller had to feel. And also earlier in the match, Grayson Waller did get like suplexed from the ring apron through some tables, no, not tables, um, some chairs, pardon me, outside of the ring. So he felt that, and Grayson Waller's back just looked completely bruised up. I mean, there was a shot where you just saw his back completely bruised up from the candlestick shots and uh, from him landing on the chairs earlier in the night. I mean, he was bruised up. So Grayson Waller and Johnny Gano, they put a lot into that unsanctioned match too. Um, but Johnny winning... I'm cool with it. It's fine. I wanted Grayson Waller to win because Grayson Waller is in NXT. Johnny Gargano is in the main roster. He really didn't need to win this match. But since this was such a personal thing and you beat up somebody in front of your kid, I can see why they gave uh, Johnny the win now after thinking about it. So it's cool and fine. The one highlight that really I think that people need to take out of this is that Johnny Gargano showed a real ruthless side that is missing from him on the main roster and everybody on social media was thinking the exact same thing people were tweeted it out i even tweeted it out that this uh version of johnny gargano needs to be on the main roster this mean nasty ruthless side of johnny needs to be on the main roster so hopefully after having this match hopefully somebody from the upper side the main roster somebody at the top saw this match and say you know what we need to bring this johnny gargano to the main roster have him be uh, ruthless when it's time for him to be instead of this uh guy that just wants to wrestle when I hate to say no personality because it sounds like I'm crapping on Johnny but it just feels that way and I'm not trying to say that in a bad way to Johnny again I respect him I respect everything that he has done but when you see Johnny wrestling in the main roster you could tell a stark difference from him wrestling on the main roster to him wrestling in NXT that's all I'm trying to say so it's not me trying to crap on him. I just want to put that out there as well. Now, after the match, Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae will be walking up the uh, entrance stage. They will hug each other, and then you will see Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis walk out on the stage. Candice runs over to Indy, gives her the biggest hug. We have a mini The Way uh, reunion here. The only person that was missing here is Austin Theory. It would have been great to see Austin there. We actually would have had a whole Way uh, reunion, but he had to save himself up for uh, WrestleMania later in the night, but I'll get to that when I talk about WrestleMania, but it was a good little mini reunion we had here. Now, after this, we had the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship matchup here. Alba Fire and Isla Dawn going against the champions, Keanu James and Fallon Henley with Briggs and Jensen in their corner. Alba and Isla Dawn would win the match by pinfall when Isla Dawn would hit Keanu with a backstabber and hold her in place so Alba could hit a swanton for the win. The only reason why Alba Fire and Isla won this match was there was a moment when Kiana James asked Jensen for her purse because she needed to get some out of it. Briggs and Fallon would tell 
Jensen not to give it to her because they knew Kiana was going to cheat. Fallon, Briggs, and Jensen, they don't like cheating. They want to win the fair uh, in narrow way. They don't want to do anything that is suspicious. Kiana, she will win by any means necessary. And also, Jensen is in love with Kiana, so he's like conflicted at this. So in the end, he doesn't give her the purse, and that led to Kiana and Fallon's uh, demise. So we have new NXT Women's Tag Team Champions here. I don't know what's going to happen on NXT between all four of these individuals. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Now off to the main event, the NXT Championship matchup here. Braun Breaker going against Carmelo Hayes with Trick Williams in his corner. I will say this, Carmelo Hayes, he is him. You know what time it is. Since they're at Los Angeles and they're in the Staples Center, I would never call it the Crypto Center. It will always be known as the Staples Center to me. Um, they're at the Staples Center. That's the home of the Los Angeles Lakers. You had Carmelo Hayes come out with his own special type of entrance. Trick Williams still doing the introduction for him. And on the Titan Tron, you will see like different jersey numbers. Well, not jersey numbers, but different jerseys with different opponents that Carmelo has beaten and is in the colors of the Lakers. Once Carmelo came out on the Titan Tron, it had the Lakers logo, but instead of saying Los Angeles Lakers, it said Carmelo Hayes on it. He had purple and gold gear, again, to match Los Angeles Lakers. So Carmelo was really playing up to them being in Los Angeles, playing up to the crowd here. Braun Breaker comes out. He has a neon and purple singlet. Um, Carmelo and Braun, you could just tell why they were the guys for NXT 2.0 or NXT, this rebrand. It was constantly mentioned on commentary. The crowd knew what was up. The crowd was completely into this matchup here. Uh, Braun and Melo, they have great chemistry. They had a great matchup here. At the beginning, you saw Melo try to outpower Braun, which was a mistake on Melo's uh, part, and he understood that after he couldn't do it. So then he had to try to do it with speed, and then he realized, oh yeah, Braun is good with speed too, but I'm a little bit quicker than him. So he had to go back to doing things technical his way and try to make Braun wrestle his style of match up here. But ultimately, in the end, Carmelo would win the match by pinfall by hitting the first 48, which is the leaping uh, code breaker. So they finally gave that a new name. And then he would finish off Braun Breaker with nothing but net for the win. Now, there was a moment in this matchup here where Braun technically won the match. Uh, the referee was down. Braun Breaker locked in the Steiner recliner on Carmelo. Carmelo would tap. The referee doesn't see it. Trick Williams would get in the ring, hit Braun Breaker in the back with the NXT Championship, and Carmelo would cover uh, Braun, but Braun would kick out. Again, that was the only like time that that happened here. But again, we have a new NXT champion. Carmelo is the champion after the match. Braun would take the title away from the referee. He'll go over to Melo. At one point, you see Braun is looking at Trick, and he wants to hit him with the title, but he restrains himself. He looks at Melo. He hands him the NXT Championship, and he raises Melo's arm in the air. So Braun has officially crowned Carmelo as the NXT Champion, and that's how NXT uh, Stand and Liver goes off with Braun leaving the ring and Melo and Trick just celebrating Melo's win as the NXT Champion here. Now, what's going to happen on NXT? Again, I don't know if they were going to get a champion celebration from Melo, and they were probably going to get somebody coming out saying they want to be the first guy to go against Melo for the NXT championship. That's usually how these things work. Who is that guy? 
I have no idea. We'll have to wait and see. But again, Melo, he's finally crowned as an NXT champion and it's well worthy. So congratulations to Melo. And also congratulations to Braun because I'm pretty sure you're gonna probably going to be a called up if I'm going to be honest with you real, real soon. Now, with Stand and Deliver out of the way, let's talk about WrestleMania. WrestleMania Night 1 was fire. Nothing but fire from top to bottom. We start off with the United States Championship matchup here. John Cena versus Austin Theory. John Cena, he has a special entrance. They do the Make-A-Wish thing. They play a Make-A-Wish uh, montage video at the beginning. After the montage video happens, you see a couple Make-A-Wish kids on the entrance stage. He shakes the Make-A-Wish kids' hands. He tells them to have a good night while he has to go down to the ring and handle some business. So he runs down to the ring. He has his match with Austin Theory. Theory would win the match by pinfall after John knocks down the referee by accident. John would get Theory in the STF, and Theory would tap out. John will let go of the hold and try to re revive the referee. And once John goes back over to Theory, Theory would hit John Cena with a low blow and deliver A-Town down for the win. Now, I'm cool with Theory winning this. I'm cool with that. Perfectly fine. I thought John Cena was going to win because why not have John Cena win? And since we're at Staples Center, we're still in California for one more night. And also, Raw After Mania is supposed to be the craziest Raw of all time every year. Like, that's the whole big extravaganza of Raw After Mania. To have something be crazy and do something crazy. I thought John was going to win this. He'll show up on Raw, do an open challenge, drop the belt to somebody there. And ta-da, there you go. But no, John Cena doesn't win the match. He loses the theory here. Theory and John, they had a solid match up here. John Cena played a cocky vet while Theory plays the, uh, I'm not going to say underdog, but he was trying to outmaneuver a veteran to the point that he would bite John Cena from time to time throughout the match up here, making John Cena get upset and making him lose his cool. So I like that little added uh, element in this match with John and Theory, but it is what it is. The crowd was into it. They didn't like that Theory won the match up here, and I was cool with it. I was like, all right, fine. That's what we're doing. Great, but I would have loved for John to win, but I digress. There was a big pop whenever John Cena had Theory on his shoulders, and it looked like he was going to hit it with AA. The crowd went crazy for it, but they were denied that. I just wish that he would have hit the attitude adjustment on Theory for everybody to actually explode the way they were supposed to, but I digress. Theory is still your United States champion, and that's what happened on the first match of WrestleMania. Now, after this, we had the Fatal 4-Way Men's uh, Tag Team Showcase, the team of Braun, Strowman, and Ricochet going against the Alpha Academy, the Street Profits, and Viking Raiders. The Street Profits would win this match by pinfall, when Ricochet would look to hit a shooting star press on Angelo Dawkins. But Dawkins would get his knees up, making Ricochet land on Dawkins' knees. Dawkins would then hold Ricochet in motion. So Montez Ford will go to the top rope and hit a frog splash on the back of Ricochet, allowing Dawkins to roll up Ricochet for the win. This match absolutely ruled. And I mean, it completely ruled. I had a bar set for this match up here. Matter of fact, let me be honest. I don't think I had any expectations for, uh, for this match up here. I just thought, okay, this is going to be a throwaway match that they put on WrestleMania just to uh, allow the fans to cool down because usually that's what happened. They usually have one big match to, and then they usually have a cool down match that the fans can gain their composure, gain their momentum for whenever another big match is supposed to happen. But no, this Fatal 4-Way match, these 
all four of these teams. They made sure the fans stayed on their feet. The fans stayed energized throughout this whole matchup here. You had Ricochet and Montez Ford being the two high flyers that everybody knows they can be. Ricochet hitting a springboard uh, shooting star press to the outside of the ring and even uh, making sure that he didn't land on the commentary table. You had uh, Chad Gable hitting a Chaos Theory on Braun Strowman. That's basically a rolling German suplex in the ring. And Braun Strowman is a big dude. I mean, a big muscled up dude. Chad Gable, he's about a good, what, 5'10", five, 5'9", five, type dude. And he's strong. And he's able to lift up and hit a Chaos Theory on Braun Strowman. That was completely astounding. Otis, big guy, he did what he had to do. There was a moment where all four of these teams were in there. You had Braun dueling it out with Otis, uh, the Viking Raiders coming in there to beat up on Braun and beat up on all the other teams. And they had a Tower of Doom spot where you had uh, Ivar and Otis holding up, um, God, Gable, um, Dawkins, and Montez Ford when Ricochet coming off with a crossbody. I mean, this match absolutely completely ruled. Again, it cleared all the expectation that I even didn't have for this thing because, again, I thought it was supposed to be a cooldown match, but the fans completely got into it. People online got all, got into it, and I got into it. So, again, this is a great uh, fatal four-way matchup here. Now we're off to the next match, which would be Seth Rollins going against Logan Paul. Now, the entrances for both of these men, they both had some type of special entrance. Logan Paul, he had a makeshift version of Shawn Michaels' uh, WrestleMania 12 zip landing entrance. Shawn Michaels' version, he came down fast and speed-wise with the zip line. Logan Paul's, he came down slow and methodical. So that tells you that somebody was controlling that, but uh, Logan Paul had like a camera on it. Um, that was his thing, and he also had like his energy drink mascot, a prime energy drink bottle mascot down at the uh, ring entrance ramp. So that mascot will be around throughout the matchup here. And Seth Rollins, before he came out, he had a conductor, a legit classical musical conductor out there on the entrance stage conducting the fans to do the singing of Seth Rollins' song, the whole thing. And then Seth will come out, he'll be like wearing a big red puffy style entrance jacket, which I had no what the hell that was. I mean, that was completely outrageous. And then underneath that, he had like purple, like not purple, God, pink, like Jeff Jarrett type neck straps that he had on. It was real, real weird. And then he had like pink, puffy, like tight pants, like tights, but like puffy on like the thigh area. Again, real weird. But it plays into the creative, kooky style of character that Seth Rollins has been playing for about, what, it's been going on two years now that he's been playing this character here. So the entrance matched what Seth Rollins is right now on the WWE screen. Seth Rollins and Logan Paul, they had a straight match here. Logan would lose the match to Seth Rollins by uh, pinfall. When Logan would try to go coast to coast, and Seth would catch him with a super kick in midair, then finish him with a curb stomp for the win. There was a highlight in this matchup here that Prime Mascot, the person inside that mascot suit, was a YouTuber named KSI. He is also Logan Paul's uh, business partner in the Prime Energy Drink. 
he would pull Logan Paul out of the ring. He would unmask himself. Um, Logan Paul would get Seth Rollins on the commentary table, and then he would go to the top turnbuckle, looking to hit a uh, frog splash on Seth on the commentary table. Now, while Logan's up there, he's chugging a prime drink. Again, this is all an endorsement spot here. KSI, he has his phone out. He's recording himself, talking trash to Seth Rollins as Logan's up there. And once Logan jumps off the top turnbuckle, Seth will quickly move himself off the table, put uh, KSI on said table, and Logan Paul would drop onto KSI. This will lead into basically the downfall of Logan Paul here because Logan Paul got too cocky with Seth Rollins here in this matchup here. And again, Logan Paul, he is a good wrestler. I'm not going to try to down the man. I have to say this every time after his matches here in WWE. Again, I don't like the person, Logan Paul, but the man that he is in WWE inside that squared ring. He knows exactly what he's doing. The WWE has patched him up with good matching partners in that ring. And again, Logan knows what he's doing. If he wants to have a legitimate future in WWE, he could do that. I don't see him uh, doing that. I see him like having those part-timers, media um, kind of contracts where he shows up probably at a Mania, probably up at a SummerSlam, probably at a Saudi Arabia thing where the big ticket, big uh, money uh, events are. But like, a standard Monday Night Raw, like, every week? No. A random Extreme Rules pay-per-view uh, matchup here? Nope. I don't see him ever being that type of person if he ever does stay with WWE. Again, he's a, uh, what do they like to call themselves? He is an attraction type of talent. But Seth Rollins was a good uh, dance partner with Logan Paul here. So, again, congratulations to Seth for winning against Logan. And congratulations to Logan for hanging with Seth Rollins here. And also, this match further proves that Seth Rollins should be in the main event of WrestleMania. Next year of WrestleMania, he should be in the main event one way or another, whether he is a champion or whether he wins the Red Rumble or he wins the Money in the Bank and he cashes it in and he actually has a proper WrestleMania match. Not a cash-in, which is the heist of the century because people can say, well, Seth did main event WrestleMania for WrestleMania 31. No, I think Seth wants a proper build for him to be a challenger or champion, the build to be around him to go to Mania. Seth has mentioned that he wants to be in the main event. So this match and the people around the match, the crowd singing his song for, what, a whole solid year now? This further proves the point that he deserves to be in the main event of WrestleMania. So hopefully next year they actually do it. Now, after this, we had the six... A woman tag match up here of damage control going against Becky, Trish, and Lita. Becky would win the match for her team by pitfall by hitting an avalanche manhandle slam on Bailey for the win. I was salty for this match after the fact because I've said it before and I've said it again. Damage control needed to win this match. Damage control has been on a losing slide for a long period of time. Bailey, she is the leader of damage control. She led again both. Dakota and EO to tag team championship gold throughout their time of damage control. If you're a leader, you're supposed to have some gold yourself. She never won any type of gold. That was completely not what I thought was going to happen whenever damage control showed up at SummerSlam. But again, it just hasn't worked for some reason why they don't 
make damage control the top axe for the women's division. I don't get it. I just don't understand it. Um, Trish and Lita, they did what they had to do. Becky, they did. She did what she had to do here. Um, I can't really say much about this because, again, this was a solid match. You know what the time it was. Once you saw the Avalanche manhandle slam, you're like, okay, that's where they wanted to go with this. Cool. Where do I think they go with damage control? I think they need to split them up. I think you need to have EO do her thing, Dakota, because she could still uh, team with Bailey here. And I don't know what else we do here, to be honest with you, with damage control. With Trish, Lita, and Becky, Trish probably goes away until they need her again. Uh, Becky and Lita, they're probably defending their women's championship on the Monday Night Raw after Mania. I don't see Lita being around every Monday Night Raw like the way that she's supposed to be whenever you're a champion because, again, she's a vet. She's a Hall of Famer. She can't really move around like the women now can. So I see her and probably Becky probably losing the women's tag team titles on the Monday Night Raw after Mania, but we'll have to wait and see uh, tonight on Monday Night Raw. Now, after this, we had the most anticipated matchup of a father versus son ever in WWE, Rey Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio. The entrances that both of these guys had, they were great. First, Dominic would come out. Dom had a video package of him being in a jail cell, since that's Dominic's whole character here. He got locked up, I believe, during uh, Christmas or Thanksgiving a holiday, one of the two. And he only got locked up for like an hour or something. They keep on mentioning it on commentary, but Dom, he has constantly been playing as this hard-earned uh, thug criminal all this type of garbage nonsense, which is funny when you see they actually made a video package for him and he gets pulled into WrestleMania in a uh, police uh, jail van. He comes out, he's wearing a Rey Mysterio purple glittered mask, which is fire, by the way. I ain't gonna lie, hold you. It's fire. It's kind of playing homage to his father in the uh, Halloween Havoc mask the most infamous uh mask of race because that's the mask that he wore against eddie guerrero in their halloween havoc matchup so dom's paying uh omashua's father there and he's also wearing purple and black gear again mixing of the judgment day's color but also you got eddie guerrero style uh eddie guerrero style uh decorations or designs on the back of dominic's uh tights that Eddie used to wear, and he also got, like, mommy, the word, like, italicized, not italicized, but the way that Latino Heat would be on Eddie's tights is the way that mommy would written on Dominic's tights. So, again, he's paying tribute to Eddie, and he's paying tribute to his father all on his gear. Uh, Rey Mysterio, he would come out in a lowrider. Snoop was driving a lowrider. First, the song would be playing Another But a G Thing by Snoop Dogg, and then it transitions over into... Los Guerrero's lying, cheating, steal because Ray got to pay homage to Eddie Guerrero because that's uh, Ray's biggest uh, supporter besides Conan. That was his best friend in the wrestling industry, Eddie Guerrero, and he means so much to Ray. And then it would transition over to the Ray Mysterio song. So Ray has this great moment, and then we finally get to the match. Ray versus Dom. Also, Angie and Aaliyah were at ringside for the match up here. Angie and Leah are Ray, uh, wife and daughter. So the match happens. Ray would win the match. 
thanks to Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny was on commentary for this matchup. He was doing commentary for uh, Espanol, the Latino uh, commentary. Uh, when Dominic has a chain that came out of Damian Priest's pockets because Damian Priest and Finn Balor came down to the ring midway uh, through the match, but Santos Escobar and the rest of Legado del Fantasma wearing LWO shirts, Latino World Order, they would come down there and beat up on Finn and Damian. They would hold their own, but getting back to the point, Dominic would take uh, the chain out of Damian Priest's uh, jacket and he would wrap it around his hand. And as the referee's not paying attention, Dominic was going to hit Ray with it, but Bad Bunny would run over, grab the chain out of Dominic's hand. Dominic would look at Bad Bunny and question him for a minute, and this would allow Ray to dropkick Dom into position, then hit him with a 619, then a frog splash for the win. Everybody in the crowd was highly, highly up for this matchup here because everybody wanted to see Dom get beat up by Ray Mysterio. I mean, after months and months of Dom just constantly, basically uh, eviscerating Ray on the mic, calling him a bad father, calling him a deadbeat dad, and constantly shoving Ray and kicking Ray and sucker punching Ray for months and Ray not doing anything. This was Ray's finally uh, opportunity to do it and do something. Uh, there was a point in this match where Ray basically beat Dominic with his belt because Dominic ran his himself uh, into the second turnbuckle and he was basically held there for a minute, and Ray took off his belt, and he just started beating Dominic, gave him a legit whooping, and Michael Cole went crazy on commentary for this matchup here, because Michael Cole has a close relationship to the Mysterio family, so he knows Dom, he constantly makes sure people understand that, he knows the Mysterio family, and he knows that Dominic is just a snot-nosed kid now, that's went about the wrong way, so that's the reason why he's emotionally invested, and he wanted Ray to basically beat up on Dom. Uh, there was another moment in this match where Dom would go over to his mother and his sister, and he would question his mom, saying, you will let your husband do that to me? You let dad do that? And then he would grab uh, Aaliyah's water or the cup with some fluid in it, and he would throw that fluid into uh, Aaliyah's face. This would make Ray come out there and start beating up on Dom. Even Angie would have to slap Dom across the face. So this was a legit whole family affair of Mysterio's just beating up on Dominic here. And it's not like Dom doesn't deserve it because again dom has been as nothing but a snot-nosed punk towards the rest of his family so for him to lose here against ray that wasn't something that i personally had on my uh prediction sheet i thought dom was gonna win here because this would have been a nice like in person besides the character like behind the scenes moment for ray to do for his son dominic for him to beat his father at wrestlemania but for the story-wise purposes, I understand why they went with Ray over Dom. Because it was a nice, genuine moment. A father beating his snot-nosed kid. And again, this was the first time I've ever seen wrestling fans actually excited to see someone uh, of a family dynamic actually wrestle. So that tells you that Ray Mysterio is so beloved and Dominic is so believable that people actually want to see Dom get his butt beat by his father, Rey Mysterio. So again, I would really highly suggest people to watch this match, if not alone for the match itself, but for the crowd, like, cheering and booing throughout this whole matchup of Rey and Dom. It was great. Now, after this, we had a SmackDown Women's Championship matchup here. Charlotte Flair going against the Royal Rumble winner, Rhea Ripley. Rhea would win this match by pinfall by hitting an avalanche riptide for the win. And these ladies put on one hell of a match up here. Um, Charlotte and Rhea, they went back and forth 
multiple times throughout this matchup here. Uh, Rhea would target Charlotte's back, and she did that to make sure Charlotte would not be able to lock in the figure eight, the same maneuver that Rhea lost to Charlotte in their first matchup that they ever had ever in WrestleMania 2020 during the pandemic. Uh, And that's how Rhea lost to Charlotte there because of the figure eight. And Charlotte, she just constantly tried to beat up on Rhea because she's a champion. That's what she's supposed to do. There were a couple scary moments in this matchup here with Charlotte Flair constantly taking German suplexes from Rhea. The first German suplex that kind of scared people was whenever uh, Charlotte was on the top turnbuckle. Rhea would get on the second turnbuckle. Uh, German suplex Charlotte off. And Charlotte looks like she landed about neck slash face first onto the mat. And I winced on my chair when I saw that. And people winced on social media. And even you heard the commentary, wince. When they saw that, and then later again, you saw Rhea again hit another German suplex, but this time it was a regular one on Charlotte, and Charlotte landed like sideways, face first, nose first on the mat, and again, that is a dangerous thing for Charlotte to be doing. People don't know if Charlotte is injured or not. She looked like she wasn't after the match, but again, wrestlers are tough. They can able to be all right one moment, and they actually are in extreme amount of pain, but they just continue to soldier on. I don't know, but both of these ladies put on a hell of a match. They were just beating the absolute snot at one another, and they were just trying to prove a point as to why they should have been the main event for WrestleMania, and you could tell in the way of that match that they were just swinging and going, just nailing each other, just back and forth, back and forth. So this is another match that I would highly recommend someone watching from WrestleMania, Charlotte versus Rhea. It was good just from start to end. After this, we had an impromptu Pat McAfee versus The Miz matchup here. Thanks to Snoop Dogg, when Miz and Snoop were out there, Miz gave the crowd attendance of 80,400 and some odd fans were there. And Snoop would say that he wished that the only thing that would make this better is if Miz had a match. Miz yeah, said that he would agree and he put out the challenge on social media. Nobody took the bait. And then we heard Pat McAvee's uh, music would hit. Pat McAvee would come down to the ring. Pat would say that he would take that challenge. Snoop would make the match official. Uh, Pat McAvee would win the match by pinfall by nailing a punk kick to the chest of The Miz for the win. We had NFL player George Kettle. He would get involved in this match by clotheslining The Miz outside of the ring once The Miz would try to uh, escape uh, leaving the match by try to go up the ramp, but Miz would go over to George Kittle first and shove him. This would make George Kittle hop the barricade and clothesline the Miz. So again, we had, this was a short impromptu matchup here because again, this was another let up match here to get the crowd to gain their energy back for the main event, which was the undisputed tag team championship matchup here of the Usos going against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Now, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn says they're in California and this is the state where they got their names well i'll say this on the independence there were two places that kevin steen or kevin owens which one you know him as and Sami Zayn or el generico whichever one you know him as got their names started it was ring of honor and pwg pwg was the first place that they were in america that actually got their name started but ring of honor was another place too but since they're in California, they had the PWG logo on their gear. And also, Kevin Owens, he has Super Dragon's mask logo on his gear. So they were paying homage to PWG, a.k.a. their starting point in American 
uh, wrestling where the American fans noticed them, technically. So I like that they had that on their gear. And little Uzi Vert, he came out to uh, play I Wanna Rock for a good couple of seconds, and he basically was the introduction for the Usos. So Usos got their technical special entrance here before they had their match with Kevin Owens and Sammy. This was a story-driven match here, and it was a great reason to end night one of Mania with this match here. Um, it was basically centered around Sammy and the Usos. Because, again, you're playing on to the fact of at the beginning of the match, Sammy starting off for his team, uh, Jimmy starting off, but Jimmy sees Jay and he just wants and he tags Jay in and he has to tell Jay to go get Sammy. This is the reason why you need to get Sammy. This and that. He betrayed a family. Da 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 da. And Jimmy has to coach Jay to do it. And Jay gets in, he's ready to do it, and then we get the match started. Uh, we have multiple super kicks is the usual thing from the Usos. That's their thing, and I like it from them. Uh, Kevin Owens and Sammy, they would try to uh, beat the Usos at one point with um, Papa Powerbomb and the Stunner, but that couldn't get the job done. I thought Kevin Owens was going to hit the package Paul Driver, but that didn't happen in this matchup here. In the end, it would take three Huluva kicks to put Jay Uso down. And Sammy would cover Jay Uso for the win. So Sammy and Kevin Owens are your new undisputed tag team champions. Um, during this match, as I said before, you would see the Uso super kick Kevin Owens and Sammy trying to think that get the job done. No, they hit the double Uso splash, I believe, on Kevin Owens thinking that get the job done. No, they will even hit the one D, and I don't know on either Kevin or Sammy. But either one, they would kick out of that. And commentary went nuts. The crowd went nuts. And commentary, they mentioned how no one ever kicked out of the 1D, which I found hilarious because Kevin Owens and Sammy's name kicked out of this. But the original creators of the 1D, the 3D from the Dudley Boys, that was a legit thing. Nobody ever kicked out of it until the Motor City Machine Guns did that in TNA. But I digress again, me being on my nerd stuff about knowing wrestling. Um, Yeah. Two hours to end when Sammy delivered the Halua kicks to Jay. When he delivered the first one, Jay would start dropping and leaning onto Sammy. And Sammy would hold Jay by his face. And he told Jay, you did this. You chose this, Oos. And he would hold Jay back up on the uh, corner. And then you hit Jay with another Huluva kick. And then... He'll put Jay right back up and lean him back up on the turnbuckle again. And as he's about to deliver the third one, Jimmy would run in and he would try to attack Sammy. But Kevin Owens would stop Jimmy and hit him with a stunner. And this will allow Sammy to deliver the last Huluva kick onto Jay and then cover him for the win. This was a story driven matchup here, and I'm glad they did it that way. I've also forgot to mention that Jay, he kind of started it off first with the Huluva kick because he delivered a Huluva kick to Sammy. And he was trash-talking to Sammy. So, yeah, Sammy is right. Jay kind of chose this. So, now we got new tag team champions, Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn. You will see Kevin and Sammy hug each other. Uh, they grab their championships. Fireworks will go off. The crowd is going home happy for night one at WrestleMania. People are loving that we are seeing basically a new dawn, if you will. The Usos have lost their tag team championships here and people after night one were wondering okay what does that leave us now what about roman how's roman gonna 
feel about this? Well, we'll have to wait and see on night two of WrestleMania, and I'm about to get to that right now. So, night two will open up with Omos going against Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar would win the match by pinfall by F5-ing Omos for the win. This match was 80-20 Omos until Brock was able to hit the German suplexes. I will say this. Omos was able to throw Brock around like a kid. This was the first time I've ever seen Brock actually get thrown around by somebody else. Brock's usually the guy throwing other people around. So to see that, it was a real different uh, visual for anyone that's been watching Brock's whole career. So Brock was a bump and feed for Omos here. But in the end, Brock was able to actually German suplex Omos and it was real different. Again, Brock's usually able to overpower and like throw his people with the German with no hesitation, no problem. He actually had to put strength and actually had to throw Omos over him. And when he did it, you could actually see the struggle that Brock had to use for it. So again, this was a nice uh, struggle match for Brock Lesnar. And Brock hasn't had one of those matches in a long time. So for Brock to beat Omos here... It was okay. I didn't want that to happen. I wanted Omos to beat Brock, but it is what it is. We have to wait and see tonight on Monday Night Raw to see where they're going with Omos now that he's lost to Brock and where's Brock's going after he beat Omos. So the next matchup was the Fatal 4-Way Women's Tag Matchup of Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green going against the team of Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler going against Shotzi and Natalya going against Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan. Ronda will get the win for her team by making Shotzi tap out to an armbar. This match was, I'll say, another pick-me-up match up here because everyone got to see Omas and Brock. Everybody was uh, elated after seeing Brock F5 Omas, so we had to get a pick-me-up here, and this is exactly what it was. This was not as exciting as the men's Fatal 4-Way tag matchup that they had like the day before, but the ladies did what they had to do here. You had them... Uh, jumping out of the ring onto each other outside of the ring. So that was one big spot here out of the match. Uh, Sonya Deville, she was actually able to sp uh, be spotlighted and highlighted in this matchup here for her abilities here. Um, but in the end, Team MMA, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler, they would get the win. Now after this, we would have Bobby Lashley appear on the stage and he would hold his Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal uh, trophy in the air. And that's all Bobby Lashley did here. And it's a quite a shame because Bobby, he was supposed to have a match at WrestleMania with the build of him going against Bray Wyatt. We don't know what happened to Bray. We don't know if he got sick. We don't know if he got injured. We don't know if he just got pulled out of this story that he had with Bobby. And it leaves Bobby with nothing here. So Bobby just being out here just to pose with the Andre the Giant trophy. Everybody on social media, including myself, weren't happy with this. We thought that Bobby should have been given a match with anybody, but... They didn't do nothing with Bobby here except for this, and it's a shame, to be honest. Now, after this, we had the Triple Threat Intercontinental Championship matchup of Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, and Gunther, and this was a hard-hitting match. If I'm going to say, out of all the matches of WrestleMania weekend, at least for the WWE side, including the WWE uh, NXT's brand, I say this was the most hard-hitting matchup here. The second most hard-hitting matchup was, again, the Fatal 5-Way for the NXT uh, North American Championship. But this match, oh yeah, it was hard-hitting. Uh, Gunther would win the match by pinfall by hitting a body splash on Sheamus after uh, Sheamus covered Drew with a bro kick. The UFC Gunther pick up uh, Drew and, no, he will pick up Sheamus and powerbomb. Sheamus on Drew, and then he will pick up 
Drew and powerbomb Drew and cover him for the win. This whole match was nothing but all three guys swinging for the fences with each other. I'm talking about Gunther with his chops. Drew McIntyre giving Gunther back the chops. Sheamus hitting Gunther and or Drew with the clubbing uh, forearms to the chest. Each guy's chest was completely bruised in this matchup here. I even sent out a tweet saying, do you not know how loud those chops had to be for the whole entire crowd to go ooh at the exact same time? I mean, you can watch the footage right now. And once that match plays and you start seeing them chopping each other and you start hearing the sound effects that those chops are making, you notice that the fans are hearing it and they're going ooh. The commentators, they're just going ooh along with the fans everybody's able to hear those chops and i want to display this piece of knowledge here a stadium like a football stadium wrestlers have mentioned that it is hard to perform in those type of arenas because wrestlers they feed off energy they feed off the crowd participation the cheers the booze the adulation of the audience so it's not like a regular building arena a stadium for the sound effect, if you slam someone, it takes a couple seconds longer than it does in an actual arena to hear that sound effect go off to the crowd and for the crowd sound effect to go back to the ring for the actual wrestlers to um, hear it. And for this match, if seen like that rule did not exist, as soon as those chops laid in, you immediately heard the fans go, ooh. So the fans immediately must have heard those chops. And felt those chops. So again, the fans, they played a great part in this matchup here. As long as with uh, Drew, Sheamus, and Gunther, these three guys beat the absolute piss out of each other, which everybody expected it to be. And this was literally the most hard-hitting match on the whole WrestleMania weekend card from WWE and NXT. So I advise you to go and watch this match. I am not doing this justice. I'm telling you, go and watch it. It even got to the point that after the match was done, Everybody in the whole entire like stadium gave this thing a standing ovation. The crowds were standing up and clapping their hands. Uh, the commentators, they were standing up and clapping their hands. I mean, everybody gave this match a legit standing ovation. It would be you a disservice to not watch this match. So go and watch it. After this, we have the Raw Women's Championship match. Bianca Belair going against Asuka. Uh, Bianca, she will have her special uh, WrestleMania entrance. Last year, she had a hbcu marching band play her out to her entrance last year in wrestlemania dallas this year bianca belair had the divas of compton coming out and perform for her on the stage and the divas of compton is an organization i believe it's a non-profit to help develop leadership skills through dance and performing arts for um little girls in compton so that's what happened here for Bianca Belair. So again, Bianca Belair is showing that not only is she for the kids, but she is the chosen uh, woman wrestler to lead the women's division going into the future when it comes down to the WWE, in my personal opinion. Um, beginning to the match, uh, Bianca would defeat Asuka by pinfall by countering out of a armbar and deadlifting Asuka on her shoulders and hitting the KOD for the win. Solid matchup here between Bianca and Asuka. Um, the final sequence was Asuka tried to hit Bianca with the mist. Bianca would uh, dodge that. You would see Asuka try to hit Bianca with a roundhouse kick. Bianca would miss that. Bianca tried to hit Asuka with her 
thick ponytail. Asuka would miss that, and then they'll get into a nice little uh, reverse reversal until the armbar KOD uh, ending. Solid match between Bianca Belair and Asuka here. There was a point in this match where outside of the ring, uh, Bianca Belair did powerbomb Asuka on the outside of the ring, and again, those thuds, boy, you heard that thud on television, and it did not sound great, so I'm hoping Asuka is icing her back because, again, I don't know how they do that mess, man. That's nothing but straight up whatever the floor is. Sometimes it's concrete. They're in an arena, but a stadium like that, I think that is some type of uh, flooring on the floor. Then it's covered with a pad, but not too much of a comfy pad. It's uncomfortable. That's all I'm trying to say here. Because you heard that thud. It did not sound well. Um, But Asuka and Bianca, I feel this was a good match. Was it the greatest match they could have had? No. I think that they're probably saving that up for whenever Asuka gets built up more as a dangerous monster, in my personal opinion. For the both women's matches of Charlotte and Rhea going against this one, I think Charlotte and Rhea, they had a better match than Bianca and Asuka here, to be honest. But again, both of those matches, they had terrible builds. So hopefully, um, now that WrestleMania is done with, and we still have uh, Bianca as our Raw Women's Champion and Rhea Ripley as our SmackDown Women's Champion, they get better builds into whatever storyline they go into next. And with Asuka, Asuka, she can get billed as a credible monster the way that she should have been billed going into WrestleMania in her match with Bianca Belair, in my personal opinion. Now, after this, we had the Miz and Snoop Dogg in the ring, and Miz would take problem with Snoop, having him face uh, Pat McAfee last night at WrestleMania on Saturday. So this was the time for Snoop, to now call out Shane McMahon coming down. Shane would come down to the ring, and Shane would go against The Miz. So now we have this match up here. And this match ends horribly. Because in the beginning, what, two or one minute of this uh, sequence between The Miz and Shane, where The Miz is running off the ropes, and Shane does a leapfrog over The Miz, Shane comes down on his like leg, and he... Must have popped either something in his knee or something in his ACL because Shane went down. Shane went down on the mat. He uh, had medical come in there, start looking at him, and Snoop Dogg called an audible. He got in the ring. He punched the Miz in the face. Miz went down, and we basically had Snoop Dogg versus the Miz here. Snoop Dogg would punch Miz again. Miz would get knocked down, KO'd, and Snoop Dogg would hit a weak looking people's elbow but again it's Snoop Dogg and he's not a wrestler so it is what it is he'll hit Miz with a people's elbow cover the Miz and Snoop Dogg has a Wrestlemania win under his belt now so Snoop beat the Miz it is what it is Shane McMahon going down it didn't uh, sit right with people because Shane just came back he's been gone literally for a whole entire year but hey it is what it is I think when you get older you're not supposed to be doing a lot of things and I think this is one of the certain things you shouldn't be doing, like a leapfrog. Even though Shane did, like, he jumped over the Miz with incredible athleticism for someone of Shane's age. But, again, just because you can do it, that doesn't mean you should. And this is the prime example of that. Um, hopefully, I want to wish Shane a helpful, well, healthy recovery. Because we don't want nobody to do any damage to themselves just because they want to come out there and perform for the people. but. I hope Shane has better knowledge now, knowing that he's older. He has to be doing a Mac game style if he does decide to come back for those uh, one-night appearances to wrestle. But again, 
uh, get well, Shane and Snoop Dogg. He called an audible, so that was great. In the Miz, he took it like a professional. So, congrats to all three of these men. Now, after this, it's time for the Hell in the Cell, the Demon Finn Balor going against Brood Edge, and both of these guys had special entrances. Edge came out from underneath the ring like he did when he was in the Brood, but this time he had a uh, crystal style like mask. It was a bone crystal style mask. You gotta go on YouTube or Peacock to go see it. And Slayer would like play him, but they didn't have the actual band Slayer. They had a music of Slayer. And then he turned into his regular Edge theme as he made his way to the Hell in a Cell. Uh, Finn would come out. He wear the demon face paints. The demon's back here. And they had their match. Edge would win the match by delivering a concerto onto the demon and cover him for the win. Um... There was one moment in this match that people did not like, and I understand why. Edge had a ladder, and he threw it at Finn's uh, face. And Finn kneeled his head down, and the ladder clipped Finn in the head. And it busted Finn up. And Finn was uh, leaking blood in the mat. And you see like the referee call for like the medics around the ring to come in and check in on Finn. So Edge had to wait around and... Uh, get other style weapons in the ring to set it up as the EMT was checking in on Finn and like making sure he wouldn't bleed out or whatever on his head. And the fans weren't happy about it. And I understand why it's a hell in a cell. Blood is supposed to happen. It's supposed to be two guys that can't stand one another and you go about your business, do what you do. You're not trying to have the EMT or medic stop you guys just because somebody's bleeding. This is supposed to be a blood feud. This is supposed to be a bloody match. That's what hell in the cells originally is for. But again, since we're still in that PG, you can't bleed in WWE's uh, era, they have to take safety precautions. So I understand why people were upset with that. And personally, that took a lot out of the matchup here. But Edge and Finn, they still did a great job. Finn would hit Edge with a shotgun, a dropkick through a table. Finn did climb up the side of the cell, but the inside of the cell, because they had a perch there. And he would stand on the perch as Edge was laying on a table inside of the ring. And Finn will look to hit a coup de grace on Edge on the table, but Edge would roll off of the table, and Finn will smash through the table. So we had that moment. Um, you had colorful weapons here. You had Kindle sticks colored in red and purple. You had a chair that was red. You had a purple table. I mean, they just went red and purple on a couple items. But this Hell in a Cell matchup was all right. It was... Uh, good, but it could have been better if they just didn't stop Finn from bleeding. They just should have let the bleeding uh, happen. But again, it's WWE. There's not AEW. They take safety precautions like that. So that's what happened between Edge and Finn in their Hell in a Cell match. Now we're off to the main event, the Undisputed Universal Championship match. Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman and Solisco in his corner going against Cody Rhodes. We have the usual shenanigans in this match up here. Solo would interfere a couple times in this matchup he would hit Cody in the side with the steel chair referee didn't see it he would uh believe knock no he would grab Cody's feet one time when Cody was running off the ropes and the referee didn't see it referee would hear Solzakoa hit Cody with uh Cody's weight belt that he gave to Brody Lee Jr. outside of the ring and the ref would go and look at Solo and tell him that he's out of here so then we were down to Cody and Roman, and those two had a good match between each other. Uh, Cody, he threw Roman over his uh, shoulders and made Roman collapse onto the commentary table. 
and busted Michael Cole and Corey Gray's commentary table. Um, you had an exchange of Cody cutters, uh, Superman punches, spears, um, crossroads. And at one point, they had a ref bump, and the ref was down. Cody was looking to hit Roman with a crossroads, and the Usos would appear from nowhere, superkick Cody, and start beating up on Cody. Then you have Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn coming down to the ring. They'll beat up on the Usos and take the Usos out of the equation. And now we're back to Roman and Cody. Now, Roman and Cody are continuously brawling. They're doing their thing in the ring. The referee's up. Cody would get Roman in the crossroads. So he'll hit him with it once. Then he'll hit him with it twice. And he's, he's going for the third one. You'll see Paul Heyman getting on the ring apron because he's scared of his tribal chief losing the championships. And he distracts the referee. This will allow Solzuko to run through the crowd, get in the ring, hit Cody with a Samoan spike, and then you see Roman hit Cody with a spear, and then he would cover Cody, and Roman Reigns would still be your undisputed universal heavyweight champion, continuing his 945-day reign as champion. This shocked everyone in the audience, because this whole thing from Royal Rumble has been to end your story, finish your story. Let me say this. Since Cody has come back to WWE literally a year before when he went against Seth and on the Monday Night Raw after that, he talked about how he's here to finish his story. We thought for that whole year, okay, Cody's going to finish the story. He's going to become the world champion. By WrestleMania time, that's what they meant by finish the story here. And we're here. That's what this whole WrestleMania has been built on the back of. Not only the Bloodline storyline, but also Cody being the person in his Rhodes family to not only main event WrestleMania, but to be the family member to hold the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship. Their top prize, the top prize in the industry. Something that neither Dusty or Dustin has done in the Rhodes family, and Cody wanted to do that. So we think this is the perfect time. We think this is going to be the crowning achievement here, and we don't get it. My brother was watching that match with me, and at the end, I said, are you serious? This is how they're ending it? You mean to tell me we get no uh, re redo? We get no type of rematch? We don't get Adam Pearce coming out here saying, yo, we can't end WrestleMania like that? No. They end WrestleMania just like that. Roman Reigns being helped out of the ring with Solo and Paul. He gets on the entrance uh, ramp. He holds both championships in the air as the pyro goes off. Cody is in the ring, knees to his chest, and Cody's just looking in disbelief. And that's how it basically ends with Roman Reigns as still your undisputed Universal Heavyweight Champion. And the thing is, I feel that WWE is trying to have Roman beat that 1,000-day mark as champion, something that hasn't been done since Bruno San Martino and Hulk Hogan and Bob Backlund and Pedro Morales. Those are the only four guys in WWE history that's actually had 1,000 days as a consecutive reign as WWE champion. So they want Roman to be the first guy in modern times to actually do that. And 
I don't know how to feel about that because you guys really just wasted a perfect storybook ending of Cody winning at WrestleMania to give Roman this a thousand day streak, or at least that's what you guys are trying to go for. Again, we got the Raw after Mania here that happens tonight. If you're listening to this, uh, literally on Monday, as this thing is already uh, out right now, I mean, we'll just have to wait and see what happens on the Raw after Mania tonight, but we'll. I don't know where we're going with this. I don't. I don't know who's next to go against Roman. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm hopefully that Raw After Mania will cover that, but we'll just all have to wait and see. And I know Raw After Mania is going to be crazy because what else is going to happen? That's the big thing. What's Cody going to say? What's uh, Kevin Owens and Sammy going to say? What shocking uh, appearances or re-debuts or debuts is going to happen on Raw After Mania? Who's going to challenge Roman? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? We don't know because this is now the restart button for the WWE. Every year after WrestleMania, the night after WrestleMania, the Raw after WrestleMania is literally the, okay, this is going to set the pace for the entire year for the WWE until we get to WrestleMania again. So what's going to happen? I don't know. I'm going to wait and see just like everybody else. And you're going to hear from me again on this upcoming Saturday's uh, Wrestling Highlights of the Week about it when I talk about it. So, with that all being said, this has been your uh, Ring of Honor's uh, God, Supercard of Honor recap. This has been your NXT Stand and Deliver uh, recap or review. And this has been your WrestleMania Night 1 and Night 2 review. And I just want to say one more thing before I get you guys out of here. My tallies overall for NXT Stand and Deliver, I got two matches out of seven right. For night one of WrestleMania, I got four out of seven right. And for night two of WrestleMania, I got three out of six right. So for WrestleManias, I did all right. For NXT, I did extremely poorly. Hopefully next year, I will be better off in my picks when the matches come about uh, next year for Stand and Deliver and WrestleMania. But until then... This has been your uh, review of all these shows. Remember, I have a Saturday episode that's already out. If you want to listen to Wrestling Highlights of the Week, I have a Sunday episode that just came out yesterday called Shameful. And remember, I have a Wednesday episode that's going to come out called Midweek Breakdown. So if you want to listen to any of these uh, episodes, either A, go into the archive and listen to those, or either B, just wait until I drop them and then you'll hear from me again. Now, with all that being said, I love you. I thank you. Have a great day. Have a great week. Please be safe. Please be careful. And instead of me ending it with Kanye, I'm going to end it with the winner of the main event of WrestleMania. Roman Reigns, take us out. Cody Rhodes, acknowledge me.